don't. Don't open that box. What have you done? You shouldn't have opened it. You shouldn't have opened it. Open it. Open it. Open it. Buongiorno, listening people. It is I, Ryan Ski Slowinskio, and I am one of your hosts of Spit and Pasta Presents the Mystery Box, in which myself and my fellow Italian co-host, Barcenzo, <laughs> talk to you about movies that we had to watch that are complete mysteries to us. Buongiorno, Barcenzo! Hello, <laughs> Ryan. Hola. What was your name again? Sorry, <laughs> I just said Ryaskino. Ryaskino. <laughs> it is I, Ryaskino. So, Barcenzo, we're yes. spit and pasta presents likingly because we are always spitting and we're Italian. We both happen to be pasta. <laughs> we are both Italianos. Uh, we should have got enough friend Luke Pervarelli on the show for this episode, but Bartek. Or Barcenzo, sorry, Barcenzo. Ryan, Ryskino. Ryskino. Get it right. <laughs> We're doing our monthly show, The Mystery Box, in which we have a box filled with mysterious movies and or video projects that have been found secondhand from op shops or the gutter. Complete mysteries to us. We have not seen them or heard of these movies. Not saying that no one in the world hasn't seen or heard of these movies. I mean... I mean, there is one that we've done on the show that I'm pretty sure no one else in the world, other than the people who made it and us, have seen, which is Frosty the, Rise... the Snowman. Oh, <laughs> yeah, of course, Legend of Frosty Snowman. No, but Bartek, Barchenza, Barchenza. Yes, we used to be spit and polished, likely because we're always spitting. We used to... and we used to be Polish. I used to be Ryan Solinski. Used to be Bartek. Now but, we're Polish. But I mean, pasta. we watched a a film, a film in today's mystery box episode that just made us Italian after watching it. It's like... Coincidentally, the film's also got a lot of Italian going on. I know. And it's like when we watched it, it was like Mussolini came over and gave us Italian passports, birth certificates. I think it's Italian pasta. <laughs> but it's pasta. <laughs> Unlike that filthy Turkish pasta. Am I right, guys? But Bartek... Barcenzo. Yes, right. Barcenzo... We had to watch something mysterious, something completely different. I had to choose it. We were going to have a guest for this episode, but they betrayed us because, you know, filthy, filthy traitors make me have to choose the movie. Because last time it was us two, you chose the movie mm -hmm. at random, completely mysterious. They're, yeah. they're all wrapped up, completely random. Well, they weren't wrapped I picked up this. Time, yes. I picked this one that we're going to be talking about today called The Fourth Tenor. Mm -hmm. The Fourth Tenor. Mm. I initially picked a different one, and then you said, oh, there's a rip on that package. I went back, and yes. in it goes, because I said beforehand, I'm not going to choose that one. Yes. And then I accidentally chose that one, and then, and then I grabbed the, this one. Of the seven, you happened to pick the one that you said you wouldn't pick. Yeah, exactly. And Ryan is a man of his principle. Sorry, Ryskeezy, or whatever your name is. <laughs> Why is can't you get it? It's Ryskino. Ryskino. <laughs> Why is this so difficult, Pachenzo? <laughs> Why is it so difficult, son? Ryskino is a man of his principles. 
Exactly. I'm a man of my word. Principale. <laughs> exactly, yo. Ricino so de Medici. I unwrapped the fourth tenor. And I reacted as I was very, very not surprised because I had an inkling that it was going to be this one. Last episode, we had Fido, and that was an actual movie. And I had a feeling that we we're going to choose another actual film. Mm-hmm. And I knew in the box the fourth tenor was there because it had Rodney Dangerfield. And I went, oh, that's going to be a real movie. That's not going to be like Meteopocalypse or something. The yeah. last one. The one chose. that I picked, yes. So I knew we were going to, I felt we were going to have a real movie and I thought it was going to be this. And it happened to be this. Hey, Lupo! Pony! <laughs> <laughs> hey, Lupo, how do you keep your weight down? How do I keep my weight down? My age, everything is down. <laughs> but Bartek, when you saw that this was picked out, what did you feel? Did you feel lustful? Italian? I mean, I, I was looking forward to it because even if I'm not super familiar with Rodney Dangerfield, I knew that he is a comedian. And actually, Ryan, for the past two or three days, when I go on YouTube, on the front page, it keeps recommending me... <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield? A video interview of Rodney Dangerfield on Johnny Carson, I think it was. And it, the title, Oh, and how it's like he just, he's one-liners. The title so of the killer. video is like, Johnny Carson can't keep up with Rodney I've, Dangerfield. I've been recommended this video too. Yeah, very recently. What has happened? Has there been a Johnny, uh, uh, like a Johnny Carson and Rodney Dangerfield resurgence at yeah, late? Where people are like, whoa, people, we need to get back well, on you this. Know, we're in an age of the internet where everything goes viral, so I guess older things are being discovered and becoming viral. So you were a bit excited because you've had some Rodney Dangerfield exposure in your life recently of recommendations. I didn't watch the video yet. No, no, but the, now you yeah. will, right? Oh, definitely. Indeed. So, Bartek. Barcenzo, sorry. Barcenzo. Rice-geezy. I picked this. I was excited. You were like, oh, yeah, this one. I remember this one being talked about in the box. Um, Now, I... Bought this. I thought Rachel bought it. My fiance and I bought this together. Uh. Well, she didn't want to take credit for it while watching it today. I don't know why. <laughs> it was a fantastic <laughs> movie. I saw the cover. I saw Rodney Dangerfield, and I was like, sold. Just if it if it isn't Caddyshack, then this is for the show because I don't know really any other Rodney Dangerfield product movie wise. I know more of his stand-up and more of his cameo appearances, but lead roles or main player roles, it's it's Caddyshack or Back to School. Like, in Caddyshack, he's not the main character, but he's, like, one of the main things you remember from Caddyshack and, you know, all that. But we'll get we'll get into the danger field, but I've got to describe this cover because the cover is always what draws us or myself, or myself especially, because I'm the one who usually finds these. It's happened for me as well, yeah. In, because the covers are all we go off of you know so mm-hmm. the fourth tenor has this far out amazing font choice it's it's like times new romany which is a good choice because that's italian yeah, rome they go to rome and um he goes to rome. The, the font is just the fourth tenor the fourth is spelt in a different type of font in an italic kind of style as well and it's just like in a pure, bold red as well bold red yeah. um but Big. the antenna is um its color is it's got the black outline, and inside the font, it's green, white, and red. The Italian colors. Mm, so it's giving you the feeling it's going to be Italian. And the behind the font is this just white, just kind of white glow, and musical notes behind it. Just faint musical notes. Just very faint. And then behind that is an auditorium of people. 
that's the back of the like that's the the background of the poster here is this massive auditorium and you see very geniusly photoshopped is three tenors three opera singers taking a bow they're facing away from us we don't get to see what they look like and in front of them big on the cover takes up most of the cover facing us singing and shattering a wine glass in his hand is rodney dangerfield and it says his name it says another guy's name and then it says a comedy with high notes but the d in comedy is a musical note well, that's cute. Cute. And then on the bottom, it has the rating. It has its Adobe digital DVD, but also just has a cartoon of a rose. <laughs> because it's Italian. <laughs> it's Italiano. It's romantic. Oh, yes. Yeah. So... If, if you were to, like, if you weren't to look at it that closely, like, glance over it in a video store, you might think that it's, like, a, a DVD of... You know, an opera production. So I chose this because it's got Rodney Dangerfield in it. And Rodney Dangerfield was one of those legendary stand-up comedians. And he had a very specific style that people who don't even know him know his style. Where he has the very kind of sweaty, nervy demeanor with that uh, mixture of nerves and uh, blustering confidence. And he had the famous catchphrase, I get no respect. Yeah. Is it, I don't get no respect? I don't get no respect. And he has, like, he always does the tie adjustment and the loose tie with the tight little knot in the tie. And, you know, you know we all know the look. He, he'd be the kind of guy that goes, oh, boy. He does go, oh, boy. That's yeah. another catchphrase. He, he does the pulling of the collar. Oh, boy. And that kind of stuff. So Rodney Dangerfield's a very iconic in that regard. And his stand-up comedy, really good stuff. Like, you know, it's, it's that kind of very of its time, but... Uh, you know, we could do a whole. Sh- I could do a whole podcast on the underappreciated form of Rondi Dangerfield's comedy. Like he was doing stand-up comedy for decades upon decades, and only got recognised in the later part of his career. So interesting figure. Yeah, and he's known for a lot of one-liners. Right? One-liners, bit and... of a rip-off of They Call Me Bruce. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And his comedy was very self-reflexive. So he would talk about his wife and this and this and this, and then you actually explore. It's like, oh no, those were real things he was talking about. But he did in that very who boy and queen ting, and you get a drum tish and all that. So very interesting figure. He was big with Caddyshack. I think that was his one of his big movie things. Mm-hmm. You know of Caddyshack? Yes. Have you seen it? No. Have you seen any Rodney Dangerfield movies or him in a movie? Or I'm show? honestly not sure if I have. So people our age would know him maybe from Caddyshack as a big thing, but mainly he would be known to us as uh, Mr. Burns' son in The Simpsons. Welcome to Scenic Waynesport. And remember your visit with a googly-eyed walnut. Uh, how about a googly-eyed rock? Some nice local squash candy? A stressed-out Pepsi bottle? Come on, if this stuff is too nice for you, I've got some crap. And he would be known as the grandfather of Little Nicky and Little Nicky. He plays Lucifer. And his whole joke is he doesn't get no respect. No one listens to him. Because he used to be the head Satan, then his son, Harvey Keitel, took it. And, like, no one listens to him. It's like he And he's wearing a bathrobe, which was one of his uh, stand-up comedy specials. He, had, he toured around the bathrobe, the robe tour, where he just wore, like, a bathrobe and nothing else. <laughs> and he had a cigar. So he's got that. But, yeah, so he's known for those things for our generation and, and just kind of things riffing on his stand-up comedy style. But mainly film-wise, I think he was mainly known for doing stuff like 
Caddyshack and Back to School, which, oddly enough, kind of got ripped off recently with Melissa McCarthy doing a Back to School type movie where she's like a middle-aged fat lady who goes back to college and hijinks ensues. More like a Billy Madison kind of thing? Well, Billy Madison's reasons are diff- different, but yeah, it's that kind of riffing on. And in right. Back to School, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s in it. As as the douchey villain type guy or douchey kind of college frat bro kind of guy. So, Back to School is a great movie. Where check it out. Like it also has uh, Danny Elfman's in it because his band Oingo Boingos. Anyway, Rodney Dangerfield has some credibility. So I saw this DVD and I was like, I haven't heard of this movie, and it kind of looks a bit crap via the cover. Like you know, what's this about? And I thought it was going to be Thunderpants. I thought he's going to be farting so hard or doing some gross out comedy of some sort because Rodney Dangerfield's kind of comedy as well was a lot of physical comedy like in Caddyshack he has like his golf clubs that literally shoot out via rockets and hit people in the crotch and he's like oh boy he deserves that am I right if you were to be given a random Rodney Dangerfield film that you've never seen before never heard of before would you expect him to be playing a wise guy or a naive character? Um, that's actually a really tough. That's really tough because he he's known for just doing both, like okay. one or the other. So, like in Caddyshack, he's this awesome figure that everyone respects and reveres, and he's got this ultimate confidence, and he's a wise crack guy and a guy. But then, in other movies or other things, he's he's nervy and kind of gets no respect. Okay, so that's why it's hard. So I didn't know what to expect with this Rodney Dangerfield. I didn't know what we we're gonna get into. So let's get into the fourth tenor. The fourth tenor is a title that has nothing to do with this movie. The tenor part we can give it, and the you know, part? the is a word that's in a lot of things, so that's a freebie. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth part, um, apart from the cover, I don't know. <laughs> I, the closest we get is there's a family later in the movie that teaches him how to sing. Yeah. And there's three of them, but that that's the closest. And, and technically there's four of them, so... Yeah, but yeah. So, Bartek, tell us what we got in for. What did the fourth tenor give us? Well, Ryan, the fourth tenor is a story... Oh, really? ...within a story. <laughs> oh, my God. Is it Inception level? It is a story that is told to a young man named Johnny. <laughs> I'm very glad you can remember his name after all I remember time. because when his name was said, you made a The Room reference. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. I was like, oh, hi, Johnny. <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, so a young man named Johnny is having trouble with his lady. Is he Italian? Probably. <laughs> you mean definitely. Definitely. There aren't many Italians in this film, so I got confused. Anyway, he enters this restaurant, and a pers- there's only one person in the restaurant, a worker named Alphonse? Uh, yo, Alfonso? your guess is as good as mine. It's either Alphonse or Alfonso. And I think it's Alfonso. Alfonso. And, um, yeah, Johnny's con- he's telling uh, Alfonso his problem, and Alfonso says, ah, your problem is about love or something. I know a story about a man who's... Went to the ends of the earth. <laughs> went to the ends of the earth for love. And when he means ends of the earth, he means... He From America to-, to Rome. To Rome. <laughs> if the earth was flat, I mean, yeah, you'd fall off at Rome, right? You know, the one of the biggest... Empires in the world was at the edge of the world. It's like, what, a quarter to a third of the way around the world? No, 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 no. Not in this movie's world. Oh, he went the other way around. He went to the end of the world. (laughs) He went over Australia and Asia to get to Europe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly right. So (laughs) 
this is, yeah, like you said, this is a story told in media res, as you like to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a character that has little to no influence on the actual plot is telling us, uh, us slash this character, Johnny, the plot of the movie. Yeah, Alfonso is fairly throughout the whole film. But he has no real effect on the plot. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, he's in the movie, but he has no real effect on the plot. He has a presence, plot. but not much of an influence. Yeah, unlike previous movies we did that's done it in media res, like... Uh, on a level, Stardust and definitely Betaville. Those Frosty characters, the snowman kind of as well, and Frosty the Snowman. Those were main characters that are telling it to their grandchildren or someone else in the future. This is just some minor character. Yeah, and it's not like it cuts back to him or we hear Alfonso's narration throughout it. It's like the beginning of the film. Hey, let me tell you a story, and, and then, then the end. And the film ends, and it cuts back, and like that's the story. What you're going through for love is nothing, all right? I know a guy who went to the ends of the earth for love. What do you mean? Stay right there. Tell you what I'm gonna do for you, my friend. Have a little wine here. I'm gonna tell you the story of Lupo. What this guy did for love. And you know, it started on a rainy night, just like this. Our main character is played by Rodney Dangerfield and his name is Lupo. Oh, do we have a last name? (laughs) <laughs> oh boy, I don't get no respect. No, I don't get no last name, you mean. I don't get no Christian Oh, surname. just him? Oh no, it's everyone. <laughs> no one has a last name in this movie, and I make this a point because it's so unnatural the way mm. it's done. So you can have movies where you don't know any character's last names. I'm not saying you can't, but with this movie, you need to via the way that this world works, because Lupo is... What is he, Bartek? He owns a very successful restaurant where... An Italian restaurant? An Italian restaurant, of course, right? <laughs> Barcenzo, sorry. Barcenzo. Raiskino. Yeah, you, you're really struggling on this. Should I have chosen a better one? <laughs> I kept going with Raiskizi. <laughs> Raiskizi, okay. Raiskizi. Um, so Raiskino, Zischino. He owns an Italian restaurant, very famous, very popular. A lot of people come in, and this restaurant also features opera singers. Yeah. They come in, sing on the stage with the microphone. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> she doesn't need the microphone, but it's there for some reason. She? She? Is there a prominent woman that you're referring to? Oh, yes, yes, there is. A newcomer named Gina Yeah, who's is performing at the very beginning of the film. Just Gina? Just Gina, right? There's no last name. See, see, it's so infuriating to me, because, okay, his name's Lupo... You're expecting to hear his last name, like, oh, the legendary Mr. Lupo such-and-such, or, mm. or, like, Mr. such-and-such, but he's always just Lupo. And I could give that one maybe a little bit of a break, because maybe he's just so... It's Rodney Dangerfield, so he's just such a jovial, down-to-earth guy mm. that everyone just calls him via his first name. I could get that, but he is presenting her. She is... It's her debut performance in the city. It's her debut performance at this club. And he just calls her Gina. He doesn't call her, like, Gina such as... And there's literally posters later that says, Gina. What is she, Cher or Adele? <laughs> like, yeah, like the only Cher and Adele are normalish names. Like, they're just individual... Like, Gina. Just Gina. It's just so infuriating. And then you notice that everyone is just called via their first name. Like, they don't have a last name. Yeah, I, I, you were you are on that case the whole way through. In my head, I was thinking, okay, no one 
so far in the film has like a relative that would theoretically have the same last name <laughs> as them. So I was okay with it. Until be- later in the movie. But then eventually we are introduced to a family and they also don't have last names and there I was like, There's okay. some that don't even have fucking first names. They're just called Mum and Pop. <laughs> well, to be fair, Speed Racer also did that, Ryan. So Mum and Pop, right. yeah. That's an unappreciated masterpieces. <laughs> Pieces, plural. Um, But anyway, so Gina's performing and Rodney Dangerfield is introduced to us as like a charismatic owner of the restaurant and when he is introducing Gina he's just doing his stand up he's doing he's putting on that character like oh this like wise guy insult comic kind of character yeah the oh boy oh, like, oh, oh you know i first heard her in a I've, pin when, dropped and it was on a bowling alley and yeah bowling pin oh, oh, oh and everyone's like boing boing and they're like yeah yeah so you think like okay so he's playing like a douchey character yeah like he walks up to bob from that 70s show <laughs> yeah. and wise and gives wise cracker jokes to him and his wife and you're like oh this is going to be rodney dangerfield's whole ter- character going to be Rodney Dangerfield, right? He's going to be like this wiseacre, cracking jokes, know-it-all, better than those people, but he's actually a dumbass. Yeah. But then he's not that ever yeah. again in the after, movie, basically. After, after Gina's finished performing and everyone's like, oh, wow, she's amazing, she's amazing, Rodney Danger- uh, Lupo <laughs> goes to her dressing room and, like, is going to do this, like, oh, the boss is really happy with you kind of shtick to her, and she chews him out for the insult comic routine. And then after that... He's he's like this naive puppy in love kind of character. See, you're skipping over the fact that she's such a bitch. Yeah. And look, I was complaining at first, but then I should give the movie credit. They introduce her. She's chewing him out for this comedy intro he gave. And I was just so annoyed because it's like, where does she think she's performing at? She's performing at just some Italian restaurant in the middle of Chinatown. Or at least a middle of a street with three Chinese restaurants on it. Yeah. She's not performing at, like, the Grand Opry House. Yeah, like, fa- she's not fancy. performing at the Apollo Theatre. Like, like she's performing at a nightclub. Mm. What does she think's going to happen? Yeah, as fancy and, you know, popular as it is, it, it is just a restaurant. It's a place where the they sing birthday songs. Yeah. What does she think? What does she think she's going to get? Like, a giant fanfare. So... They introduce her as a being a bit of a bitch there, and I was like, oh, it's me who has the problem here, because you're like, ah, you know, it's a valid complaint or whatever, but then she is a bitch through the movie, this Gina character. She's actually... I wasn't defending her, but... She yeah. is actually a bitch. Yeah. She's like an antagonist of the movie. Because yeah, she's introduced... Again, introduction. She's kind of introduced as a sort of, like, underdoggy kind of character coming Yeah, she's in. up and coming. Um, But then, very shortly after this, we get, like, the one month later thing, and Ugh. she's, like, in a rose-petal-covered jacuzzi, and yeah, she's a big her deal. Own, her own room now. Like, they've smashed through a brick wall to make a room for her. Hmm. He's in love with her. Like, they, the, the, the bartender Oh, yeah, guy, getting chewed out uh, made him fall in love with her. Made him fall in love because she said, you can kiss my kiss my ass. And then he's like, he, oh, she's got a great ass. <laughs> and that's what made him fall in love with her. Because mm. she has gusto and she has she has a nice ass. But she will not love him, rice skeezy. <laughs> no, skeezy. Unless he is able to sing opera. Yeah, yeah. It changes, though. It's, I won't love you unless you can sing, and I won't love you unless you can sing opera. Oh, that's right. It was sing initially. Initially, and then it eventually became opera. Yeah. So what does he do? He he goes, well, i got to learn how to sing. So I'll ask my friend Alfonso, Alfonso yeah. the bartender, who doesn't sing either, if he could find someone who can teach me to sing. And Alfonso can see right through Gina. 
He's like, she's a manipulator. She can't change. She's using you. But, you know, Rodney's in love. Mm. But he wants to hire someone to pretend to be, like, a professional singer. Oh, Alfonso, yeah. Yeah, to, to tell him that, like, oh, you just have to be born with it and so you can drop it. Yeah, basically he wants to hire someone else to discourage uh, Lupo. But then the person he hires, and I do not remember this guy's name. It was a very specific Italian name. It begins like, with an I. It was like, Elena? Elena? Elena or something? Yeah, this guy... He's played I... by a guy that's in Die Hard, and that's all I need to say. He's he's an FBI agent in Die Hard, and I just recognise this guy's face as like... That douchebag guy. He but in this, he's playing a too. very different type of character. He is a douche. He is a villain. But he's playing like a street hustler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's trying to... It seems like he's trying to rip people off with like some fast-talking kind of scheme next to like a news... Yeah, he's on the street outlet. In, in Little Italy. Um, and Alfonso clearly knows this guy. And he like bribes him to just like, Hey, you know, when, when I introduce you to Lupo, just tell him that, you know, you have to be born a singer. But then... You know, he, and he does that, and Lupo's very grateful for his honesty. And he gives him a business card. He gives him a business card that has his full name, Lupo, on it. Just, just <laughs> Lupo. It just says Lupo. It doesn't have, like, his last name. No one has a last name in this movie. When the credits rolled, it was just first names. No last names. Yeah, we paid And attention. we paid attention during the movie if anyone would have a last name. Like, no one is called Miss Blah or Mr. Blah. It, they're all just, oh, it is Tony. Oh, it is, it is Marcelo. It, oh, 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 Marcello. Oh, it's this, it's this, and this. Ma, pa. They're all just no last names. It's so weird. It's also awkward, yeah, because with, with Italian last names, there's like a... They're they're kind of fun to say as well. Yes. Like, they ski... Uh, they skeezy, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Pavarello. Yeah, like, it's... It's so weird that this is a universe where nobody has last names. Like when we did our episode on unappreciated masterpieces of of Baby's Day Out, and I said it's a universe in which no one looks down, yeah, because no one ever looks down to see a baby crawling at their feet. This is a universe where no one has a last name. This is a world in which but everyone, families exist. But families exist. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so. And there's a and there's a wedding at the end too. So like, what was going to happen there? Like, yeah. Well, he, she's we were going to say that her name's Rosa, his name's Lupo. It's going to be La Rosa or something <laughs> or, or Rupro. So Bartek, of course, sleazy con man guy. When he finds out that Lupo owns a very successful business, oh, because he's Lupo, everyone knows who Lupo is. Except for when he's introduced as this is Lupo, he doesn't connect that it's the Lupo. <laughs> But when he sees it on a business card, Lupo, he's like, oh my god, it's the Lupo? Well, he owns a restaurant? And that's not named after him and or not named after his last name. It's a restaurant that's just like a common everyday phrase that, yeah. to the point I can't remember it. Well, he's not called he's not called Lupo the Great yet. No, not that yet. That comes much later in the film. So, street hustling man, Ileana, or whatever his name was. Ileana. <laughs> <laughs> he decides, no, I know, I'll, I'll hustle this guy. He's rich. So he does this whole gag where he's like, oh, you got the cheeks of a singer. You got the eyes of a singer. Of course, Rodney Dangerfield is known for having these buggy out eyes. Yeah. Like these fucking pug eyes to the point in which there was a cartoon movie that was... Rover Dangerfield. Rover Dangerfield, which... Why? I, well, that's a whole thing in itself. I don't know whoever thought that. You know who's really popular with the kids? Rodney Dangerfield. And he should be a singing dog. Yeah, but, that's, that's how I first heard of him because Nostalgia Critic did a review on that film. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. So, 
yeah, he gets. He's like, I'll con him. I'll I'll say, you know what? You do have the possibility of singer. I'll hook you up with a guy, Vincenzo, in Rome. But we didn't. We didn't know, we didn't know that. You see, first, yeah, because uh, eventually, yeah. What's his name? Sleazy guy talks to Vincenzo on the phone at the restaurant in the office, mm-hmm. and they're both. It's nighttime where he is, and it's nighttime where Vincenzo is. And then we, the only way we knew he, Vincenzo was in Rome because the next scene is is Rodney Dangerfield on a plane going to Rome. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he was in Rome? And my fiance Rachel, was... she was just like, oh, you didn't pick up on that? Oh, she How did? was I supposed to pick up on that? It was, you know what I mean? It's the visual language. Like, I get, the yeah. only way I could pick up on that is if, for some reason, one, they should have had Vincenzo during the daytime. So you're like, oh, he's somewhere else. Yeah. And then maybe behind him, like, give us a uh, an Italian time, pavilion yeah. or like the leaning, t- you know, something obviously yeah, stupid yeah. to make it go, oh, there's a different location than in s- across the road in the city somewhere, you know? Yeah. Like, like, I guess, yeah, in retrospect, the only thing we had is suddenly they're speaking Italian and there's like subtitles. It's like, yeah, but everyone's yeah. Italian. In exactly. This. The yeah. biggest confusion is Rodney Dangerfield doesn't speak Italian, yet he works in an Italian restaurant with all Italians and who speak Italian in the restaurant all the time. And we and it's established that he's really good at making Italian sauce. Yeah, well, the, the guys, uh, Rodney Dangerfield does later, but at the beginning, mm. he's good at tasting it. Yeah, that's To the point right. in which it gets all over his big nose. <laughs> it's, such a, it's, a, so it's such a confusing thing. So the basic premise is, before we go to breakdown, is, is mm. basically Rodney Dangerfield is exploited, then he gets out of being exploited and finds who he will soon realise is his true love, because Gina is vapid. It's the age of he's gone to go on the quest to win a girl's heart, but really the person he got on the quest with is the person yeah. for him, not the person he's on the quest for. And, you know, he learns to sing in some way, shape, or form. We'll get into that. And hijinks ensues, and in the end he realizes he loves Rosa. I love Rosa. And they kiss and then the movie ends yeah you know, that's the Things kind of happen, movie but that's, that's the kind uh, of movie we've got here people and i'm just going to say it now oh well Ryan, you forgot the other plot point johnny gets back with his girl oh yeah johnny gets back <laughs> with the girl at the end but he, this is what i've really got to stress i just said this plot to you guys yeah and bartek just hinted that that things happen in between yeah the things are the most predictable cookie cutter you know, uh, you know, just just going by paint by numbers, and it was so infuriating to me. Yes, there was funny moments in this movie, intentional and non-intentional, but it was just so lifeless. Like it was just so. And Rodney Dangerfield's quite old in this movie. He he looks haggard through this. Yeah, he is. He's trying his best. He wrote this. He did. Yes, he was one of the writers with the director who apparently directed something in which is called Funky Monkey. <laughs> Funky Monkey is the title of a movie and the poster of that movie is a monkey wearing sunglasses with an American football on the tip of its finger. You gotta promise me to be on your best behavior, okay? When it comes to trouble, he's the monkey in the middle. He's monkey secret agent? That is a dangerous, dangerous primate. We have a chip on the loose! Being wild... All right, Clement! ...is a way of life. Oh, he took my purse! <laughs> That's right, you 
the chip. <laughs> Who messed up you gotta be to get kicked out of a zoo? Funky monkey. There's not many jokes. Rodney Dangerfield doesn't crack many jokes in this. Yeah, there's like the occasional one-liner, but it's... Yeah. Like, uh, so... You just follow this plot of... Yeah, he falls in love. If This could have just been played more as a romantic movie. Like, the comedy aspect. But it's not a romance movie either. Because by the time he meets her, we're like 60% through the film. So, either way... He goes off to Rome because he's an idiot. It's the idiot plot where everything would be solved if the main character wasn't an idiot, right? Yeah. Because he it's so obvious he's being exploited. And we have the plane sequence, the best sequence in the movie because it's so terribly acted by yeah, everyone. It's, everyone. <laughs> yeah, basically, Rodney Dangerfield, he's sitting in an aisle seat, you know, on the side, and there's a woman, you know, kind of just to his left, just across the aisle... A very old lady. Yeah, yeah. like With, like, the shawl on, and she looks like those old Italian yeah. gypsy ladies. Yeah. yeah, basically like a meter, most of a meter, uh, apart from him. And uh, they they have a conversation like, oh, so where are you going? And Rodney talks about how, oh, Lupo, sorry, uh, mentions the town he's going to, which is... Just outside of Rome. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, the way that she reacts um, basically makes it sound like, oh, it's a, it's a country town. No one's really... Yeah, why much. would you go there? Yeah. And um and she asks him she lists like two reasons like why she lives there yeah yeah she's like oh I live there why are you going are you going for this or are you going for this and he tells her oh no 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 yeah are you going for business or are you going for a girl and he basically answers that by he's going for a girl technically and for business so but he answers it in a different yeah, yeah. way he says no 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 I'm going to see. I can't remember if he no, said... I'm going to learn how to sing. Yeah, I'm going to learn how to sing. And then she goes, oh, from Vincenzo. Because she knows automatically. And then she tells the person in front of her, hey, he's this... And she says it in Italian, but we can hear Americano Idiota going to... No, no, Stupado Americano. Oh, yeah, Stupado Americano. Because I made the joke that later on it's... No, 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 he's stupendous. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, and she tells the person in front of her, like, uh, the, she specifically name draws Vincenzo. He pisses himself laughing, and then they, you know... He tells the old man across the aisle from him, and then that old the, man tells his everyone, wife. Everyone and, passes it on, and everyone in the plane is laughing. And then I ask the question, are they all going to this town? <laughs> because it seems like in the world, at that point and after, Vincenzo's only known in that town. Like, because he eventually visits Rosa... She doesn't know who he is outside of the mentionings via like, Lupa. Yeah, his association. So it's not like Vincenzo is like this big guy who's known in Rome. He's known in this small Italian country town. But everyone on the plane knows who Vincenzo is. So do they all go there? Or do they all ride this plane all the time in which they meet fellow suckers? Of Vincenzo, so they like, oh, we know of Vincenzo via osmosis of being on this plane. Yeah, but, but, but despite that, when she listed her two reasons, she acted like, oh, there can't possibly be a third one. Yeah, one of them being being conned by Vincenzo. Stupado Americano, what could your third reason possibly be? She didn't even, I guess this could technically be business, but she didn't even, no, she didn't even ask, oh, are you moving there for retirement? Because he's clearly like a 70-year-old man. 
Well, we don't know what he is meant to be in the film, to be fair. But he looks old. He looks really so old. So how come she doesn't ask, are you moving there for to for live, to retire? Do you have family? Tourism? To- no, no, that's the reason that she doesn't yeah, ask that, because yeah, why wouldn't fair. you go there for Rome? Or are you going there to buy a farm? Well, you know, all this stuff. But uh, So that scene's great because everyone's acting with their hands, and Italians are known for acting with their hands. But this is really awkward acting. It's like really stiff and like you could tell that none of these people are actually saying any words they're just lips like miming it and they're just gonna add it in post Mm. and it's just great and of course alfonso knows about this exchange of course of course somehow in in media res he knew about this very minor exchange so when johnny's making out with his girlfriend behind the window he's thinking about like this moment as well so they get off the plane yeah he gets off this bus and he meets uh uh, vincenzo Vincenzo. but my big critique was where's the old lady yeah she She didn't get off the bus yeah where was everyone else that was on the plane? Like, that, just laziness. At the very least, she, wearing her standing out green clothes, should have been visible there, right? I felt there was the one good joke in this scene where he gets off the bus. Mm-hmm. Vincenzo asks for money to pay the boy that's putting luggage in the car. And Rodney Dangerfield, Lupo's like, oh, take all, oh, yeah, all the money. He grabs like a fucking He's water like, how much cash. money do you have? I have this much. And he holds like a fucking fistful of dollars. And Vincenzo picks, like, individual bills. Like, he doesn't just take all of it. Like, deliberately, like, oh, how much he needs. And then he goes, tells uh, Lupo to go check the car to make sure nothing is, like, make sure that your bags have got stuff in them, you know, because thieves. And then you see the, the guy putting the bags, puts his hand out to get the money off of him. And Vincenzo puts, like, quickly like dabs the guy's hand with money and then pulls it away and the guy's like huh and then just walks <laughs> and he just walks away confused oh, I missed that. and then vincenzo puts the money in his um this is another part this is all one gesture dabs puts the money the guy goes oh and then he puts the money in his coat pocket to make it look like a handkerchief right that was awesome that was just great little bit of... And I felt like it was improvised, honestly. Like, it just felt very natural, which a lot of the physical stuff doesn't in this movie. Mm. And then Vincenzo then steals more money off of him, and they get off in the yeah, car. he takes the whole thing. And they go to Vincenzo's house, and I was waiting for that bit. And they do this bit, and it doesn't work. They go, You know, like, I'm waiting for Vincenzo's place to be a dive. You know, a real shithole. Yeah. And they do that gag where it's like, and you'll be sleeping in here, and he's got this like... private this, room. He's got this shitty bed, and there's a dog on it. But the problem is Vincenzo's got a really nice place. Yeah. And, like, when he opens up the thing, I guess it's because it's a single mattress with a dog on it that it's supposed to be, like, oh, it's a shithole. But, like, I was expecting, like... It's a serviceable room. It it, it would be a great place to stay. I don't know. Like, I was waiting for that moment in which he was going to open it up and it's going to be, like... Hay on the floor. Hay on the floor or, like, one of those really crappy, like, beds that are, like, held up with, like, just, like, two sticks that are, like, joined together. Like, you know, like, one of those kind of wartime beds, you know? Like, I was expecting some real shithole, but he's got a nice place. It's just there's a dog on the bed who eventually runs away. (laughs) Because Rodney Dangerfield can't sing, can he, Bartek? No, he can't. And we know that he's not the first one to do this, not only because of the people on the plane, but because there is a bird. Yeah, how many times does Vincenzo and Sleazy Guy meet people who want to learn how to sing and have a fuck ton of money enough to fly over to Rome to do this 
to do I this. Gu- I guess. I guess we have like. To- I don't understand well, where does to- this con come from? Because at least in the context of the movie, this is a very specific case in which he meets. And it's not like Gina's in on this. Gina's not in on this. Like if she was in on this, we have to make it would in- make much more sense. Like she's yeah. the bait, and then. You know, uh, yeah, and then they hook him in, and then, yeah, like that would make more sense if Gina was in on this from the very beginning. Yeah, but when and and there is a she and the sleazy guy have a thing going on throughout the whole film, but we don't. But ever... it's the first time she's met him. Yeah, and like the first time we see them together, they seem familiar with each other. Oh, I think it's because time has passed. And it's well, like obviously, established... yeah, the month has passed, but. Oh no no wait! The, no, I they mean, met him his after time the in passed. Italy. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm saying is, it makes no sense that they have this ongoing scheme, him and Vincenzo, of getting these gullible people in to learn how to do opera. Well, like clearly, I don't understand what the what the technique clearly, is. Clearly, Ryan, we have to make an amendment to what you said before. You know, Baby's Day Out is a world where people don't look down. This is a world where people don't have last names and don't think. And singing is a very precious commodity for love evidently uh, yeah everyone does it yeah. like everyone that's why at the that's why they they need that one people needs people need to sing because it's a desirable trait you know like for gina it's desirable in a partner mm. clearly there are other people that also want people that can sing ma pari tutamo silvio segro now, I'm being very critical on this movie, if you cannot tell. Yeah, Ryan. But Bartek had laughed and smiled several times by this point, and you were laughing, especially during this whole sequence at Vincenzo's house, because there was birds, a bird that could talk, there was a dog that did some tricks with a bag. Bartek... Explain to me, not the listening people, but to me, what was amusing in the movie? It was really mainly just like funny faces and stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) Like one of the first things I laughed at was like... (laughs) Rodney Dangerfield's face, right? No, no, no. no. It was like these two, like a fat man and a fat woman eating and like not listening to someone that was talking to them. Like just something like that. <laughs> and part of it was also because you and Rachel were feeling very embarrassed about the film. It was embarrassing though, right? It was, yes, but I There's I, that bit where Rodney Dangerfield's talking to Gina and she's got no top on. Yes, that's right. And it's like it's not it's like you could tell they didn't rehearse it. That's the scene where she tells him I needed a man who can sing. And it's so embarrassing. Like it's so awkward. It's, it's so awkward, but not awkward funny, just awkward embarrassing. So you were amused by the bird that said another sucker, another sucker. I was more amused by the dog, I think, you, actually. The dog that just dragged his bag out cause because Rodney Dangerfield can't sing, so the, the dog, dog wasn't going to leave. <laughs> yeah, the dog had a lot of... You're smiling now! I just... <laughs> it's because the, the, <laughs> the dog, it had a character going on. What character? It was it, just a dog like because that usually took the bag. I, because usually when I think of dogs barking, it's like a kind of annoying thing. Like, oh, what's what's going on with you, dog? Why are you barking? But this dog was... It was annoyed. I guess. It was also a French pit bull. No, a French um uh, uh bulldog. They're in Italy. Choose an Italian-type dog. I don't... Fucking French... Hey, you don't know the dog's name. I think they did give it a name too, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, my point stands. <laughs> because I don't care. 
I was honestly disappointed with this whole section of the movie because he spends time with Vincenzo and I was expecting more. Yeah, I was time too. there where Vincenzo is doing tricks to try and trick him into thinking that he's doing a good job singing, but it just turns into Vincenzo and the whole neighborhood suffering Rodney Dangerfield singing, and I just don't get how their ploy yeah. works. Like I wanted to see like a, a Dirty Ron Scoundrels type thing in which you could understand how he could make this ploy work for just just for a scene to see him be like ah, this is what you need to do. Like, to actually see him try to pretend to be a teacher. Yeah, and Vincenzo, his he his demeanour, he sort of... He didn't have as much going on as the sleazy guy back in America in terms of, like, oh, yeah, ripping this guy off. Because there is the point where he gets him to sing in front of the, the people that eventually boo and chase him out. And, um... You know, he's, he's acting like, oh, it's just a minor role. Everything will be okay. And then he's genuinely horrified when he finds out, oh, he's, no, we he was given the main role. The the first tenor. The first tenor, Which yeah. screws up the title of the movie even more. Why didn't they call him the first tenor? At least it's in the movie, that phrase. Well, the fourth tenor is the title. The, the, no, what I'm the, saying is it should have been called the first tenor. Yeah. Because that phrase is in the movie. It's called the fourth tenor for why? Why? I don't know. I guess we we have to stick with what I said earlier. The the I liked Vincenzo members. though. I thought the actor was good. I think I've seen him in a bunch of other stuff. But he had the kind of sleazy guy who thinks he's elegant. Yeah. Kind of thing. He's and always, that's why I wanted more of he him. He always trying had like the scarf. Be, yeah, and he had that really really kind of bendy posture where his mm. back kind of curved back. Like he had that very outward chest and stuff and i want to see more of him doing the sleazy exploitation of our main character but he just goes oh i'm sick of you we'll make you perform in the town square and he's genuinely surprised that the townspeople throw stuff at him like i know he's surprised because he didn't expect him to be the first tenor but like he did expect him to sing on stage yeah and yet he's still surprised i don't I don't understand. Not fully realized, I guess. And this is say. the thing. This isn't a surrealist, absurdist comedy in which you could give these lapses of logic uh, some credence. Like, oh, that's okay. Because this movie prides itself on being realistic on a level. Mm. Like, Rodney Dangerfield is a, like not doing anything ludicrous like he does in some of his other movies. Where, like in Caddyshack, he has a, uh, you know, like I said, a golf bag that shoots out golf clubs via rockets. Or, or, or you know, back to school where he he's a diving champion. So he dives off three diving boards or uh, something, you know, like... This is a movie where he's supposed to be like a 65-year-old, 70-year-old man who's fallen in love and is very rich. And then eventually it does introduce magical realism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that being said, for the for the realism, uh, the crowd's reaction is to basically act like they're on a witch hunt. They have the torches and they chase him and everything. Yeah, but they don't... But you're saying that, but... You're saying that, and that is accurate. But I don't want the listening people to get confused because you're happen, making it yeah. sound... F- like, that sounds fantastical on a level. Like, oh, you're thinking of a Frankenstein situation where they got pitchforks and... Uh, and that does happen, don't get me wrong. But it doesn't feel like, oh, that's heightened up the situation. It just feels like, yeah, 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 sure. Oh, well, I forgot the other detail. Uh, Mambo Italiano is playing over this thing. <laughs> It's like the only pop song they have in the movie too, I swear. Yeah, it wasn't even like an opera version. No, it was the version and it was really off-putting because it was during him doing opera too. So, 
he just floats down the river because he gets into a we, we boat. We didn't even meant, Yeah, there you go. He gets into a little rowboat. He's dressed up as like an old-fashioned soldier with a wig that's on the back of the cover, might I add. It's just there. It doesn't matter. Mm. And he just floats down the river and then it cuts to like... The next day. The, the little Mario, uh, little boy. He's like four years old, five years old, I'd say. He's missing a bunch of he's missing a bunch of teeth. He's little and barely speaks, so I say five. Yeah, I'd give it like a five six. Five six out of ten. Speak like this when you speak, Mario. And we knew his name was Mario because the first thing we heard from Rosa, the adult woman, who's is Mario. (laughs) I gotta ask this. So before we even get into her, this is an adult woman with a five year old kid. Yeah, and I'm sure when I put the audio drop in to explain this but I asked the question late into the movie and all three of us watching this didn't have a concrete answer to this is Mario her son or her baby brother yeah there was a point in my in my head where I was thinking like huh she doesn't really feel like a mum and based on her character it doesn't seem like she's had a previous lover and but then but, when and the you... fact that they're Italians too and they're very strict on marriage stuff. It's not like she was previously married because she's getting forced into a marriage because she's been single for so long. So, yeah. you know it, what I it mean? Was, yeah, it was only when you asked the questions like, oh, I actually have to think about this now. And yeah, it really bro- it really emphasized it. So, Rosa finds him. Yes. Well, Mario tells her that he's found a dead body. Dead soldier. Dead soldier. And she was like, oh, Mario. Oh, Mario, you're so funny. And goes find him and tell me about the comedy genius of this scene, Bartek. Because you were actually laughing during this too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I was. Um, <laughs> were you trying to remember the scene or remember why you were laughing at the scene? Uh, both. Kind okay, of. good, I'm, good. I'm See, not the, even sure. The comedy re- is everlasting. I don't even remember if the thing I remembered is the thing I laughed at. But um, yeah, they find him and uh, he's got a prop gun that looks realistic. You know, Rosa thinks that it's real, but then Until she, she touches out, him. Oh, it's just a toy. And um, thinking it's a dead body, what do you do when you find a dead body? You poke it with a stick, but she only has the toy gun. So she pokes it with the gun. And it's like a long, like, I don't know, the term matchlock, handgun, rifle flintlock. thing. Flintlock. Flintlock gun. Um, and then it, it wakes up Lupo, and he looks, and he just sees a woman very happily aiming this gun at him. There's just one detail that i got to point out. Yes. They think he's dead. They poke him. He doesn't make any noise. He doesn't move. And she goes, oh, he's sleeping. He's still face oh, down. Right. How does she know that? <laughs> he's not evidently breathing. He doesn't make a noise when you poke him. Again, filmmaking. Get him to come uh, when he gets poked. That's all you need. That's all you need. Or him cough or burp or fart even. Jesus Christ. I'll give this movie this. There's no fart jokes. There is one fart joke. When? The jacuzzi, Ryan. Oh, I take that clap back. <laughs> I just reversed the audio of me clapping. And it goes on for a while too, Ryan. I regret my <laughs> comments. So, Bartek, tell me about the comedy genius of them waking up Rodney Dangerfield with a gun. Uh, he freaks out and thinks it's a real gun, and she doesn't immediately realize that that's what he's thinking. Yeah, comedy gold. So, <laughs> eventually she takes him back to her villa, where they make wine, but they don't. I don't know what their family business is. Yeah, they, but they got one. Yeah, they cl- they clearly make wine. They have the Except whole... for they don't. 
Because they don't sell their wine. Well, I said they make wine. 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 Uh, they make wine. But what's their business? I, feel, I, I just thought that, like, yeah, they, they make wine and they sell it, but they don't sell that specific type of wine that we find out later on. We don't know. Yeah. We'll never know. It's just, again... It's just a lot of conclusions being jumped to, but when then when you actually look at every, all the elements when of the you, film, it's like, oh, it, yeah. they didn't actually say that Rosa is Mario's mum. Uh, yeah, or... It's just that... Or sister. It's just that the way that her parents and like behave regarding uh, her and Mario is, Mario needs a father figure, therefore you need to marry Marcello. Oh, yeah, so we'll get into Marcello. So, yeah, clearly... Or Marcello, Marcello. Marcello, yeah. Clearly the family do something and they... Oh, they, they harvest something because they mention, like, every so often there's, like, a big, uh, you know, feast where all the people who harvest get together and it happens to be this family's turn now. So... And they have chickens and goats and stuff, so they do some kind of farm work. So... He gets there, and he gets on with the dad and the mum, kind of, because he tastes their sauce. Because they're Italian, so they make him eat. And he's like, oh, give me oregano, give me this. And he seasons up her sauce, and now it's good. And the father's like, oh, I knew you could never cook. My mother is right about you. Yeah, it's like the first two scenes with the mum, she's like the punching bag. But then after that, they just drop that. No, 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 no. You should have said slapping on the ass bag because there's that bit where Rodney Dangerfield, for no apparent reason... <laughs> smacks her on the ass. And when I say smack, I'm not talking about like a nice... Like, he has his fingers curled in a way where it looks like it's a real kind of punch of the palm. And I don't know why that happened. Because the music was playing, we could barely hear what they were saying. And I was like, is there some kind of joke here? Like, she bent... I don't know, but... Yeah, so the family loves him. Rosa clearly loves him. Like, love at first sight kind of thing. She's really in love, but he's a dumbass. He doesn't realise that he loves her. He's still in love with Gina. Meanwhile, back in old... Where is it? New York? America. (laughs) Back in Chinatown, um, Ro- uh, old Alfonso's having to deal with Gina. Um, oh, yeah, because he thinks that um, Lupo's missing, right? No, no, he's worried about Lupo yeah. because he thinks he's being extorted by creepy sleazy guy, and sleazy guy, creepy guy, um, is hitting on her to the point in which he's fingering her in her jacuzzi, which was nice. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's back and forth of that. Like, throughout this whole him in Italy, it cuts back to them doing sexy things, but not really. Like, nothing, like, hardcore. Just, he sticks his hand in the jacuzzi, and it's like, you know, she reacts Whoops, like, I that's dro- not the soap that you dropped. And then she gives, like, an O face, basically. And, you know, stuff like that. And oh, Alfonso yeah, and, and he, comes in, and he has to go hide yeah, behind every something. Time Alfonso he has to go has to hide, hide in the jacuzzi, and that's the fart reference Bartek's making because he's trying to get air and his bubbles and makes it look like she's farting. And That's and, kind of all that's happening yeah, there. And that was a really weird thing, too, because the first time he dives in, like, oh, yeah, he had time to breathe in and stuff. Eventually, there's a part where he does submerge and Alfonso doesn't see him. He's looking... And he doesn't take that chance... He has, like, a good 10 seconds. He doesn't take that chance to, like, get his breathing back together. Eventually, when he does have to dive in, he just quickly, like, inhales, like, (gasps) and goes down. But then the fart... When eventually he's losing his breath and the fart jokes come in, he exhales a lot of bubbles, like, way more than would be natural even if he did take a deep breath. 
It's it's a lot of plot holes, is what you're saying. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's get to the magical realism because nothing happens in Italy other than romantic montages of him being pushed off a swing and you laughing hysterically at him falling into some chickens. That was you, Bartek. Was that the part where I was exaggerating and like explaining the joke? Yes. Right, yes. But then you started genuinely liking the jokes in that sequence. It was one of those, oh, you make fun of it, but then, you know, you live long enough to make fun of it, you find it eventually funny kind of situations. My happy disposition. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All that happens is they have romantic montages, but he doesn't know it's romantic, but she does. And she eventually goes, ah, you oh. want to learn how to sing? Let's have a picnic. Yeah, yeah, hold on, that was the thing. Uh, throughout this whole sequence of him living at the villa, he hears the family, not not Mario, but like the parents and uh, Rosa singing, and he's very impressed by Oh, this. and also they hear the name Marcello a lot. Yes, yes. Like, oh, you're going to marry Marcello. They She's established- like, I don't want to marry Marcello. I don't like Marcello. He's a nice guy, but he's not for me. And everyone's like, oh, but Marcello, Marcello. And we, and we meet Marcello at the at the harvest uh, feast. Yes. And he's played by Vincent uh, Chiavelli, or Chiavelli, who's known for... He's a very big character actor. Like, he's in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. He's yeah. in the film Ghost. Patrick Swayze one. He's the one who teaches Patrick Swayze how to touch objects or move objects. Yeah, and basically that whole sequence is basically him coming back and realising, hey, I've been gone in Sicily for three weeks and I come back and there's this new guy here that's... He's, been not, he's nice about it though. He's not yeah. like completely arrogant. He's just like, okay, okay, like my feelings are a bit hurt here. He's a nice guy. Maybe a little bit like maybe a little bit overbearing but nothing i i think overbearing is not even the right word to use that's that's too strong of a word that's too strong of a phrase like but yeah we meet him but then eventually she's like oh you love us singing and she goes you see we weren't born to sing we have a family secret you see Shh, it's a family secret yeah it's a secret then a bit yeah, and then some scenes happen, and Roddy, uh, sorry, Lupo asks her, like, "All right, look, oh, I- just Lupo? Does he have last name? Oh, sorry, I forgot his last name. It's Lupo Redacted. <laughs> That's his last name. I just remember yeah, now. Just Lupo, and then I'll beep it. <laughs> oh yeah, Lupo, beep. <laughs> um, yeah, and he asks her, like, "Hey, so what is what is your? How do you sing so well? I know you told me it's a secret, but come on, tell me." And then she has a picnic, picnic. gets him drunk on some wine, and then it's the wine! It gives you magical throat abilities in which you can be dubbed over by an old record of an Italian opera. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. And they film you in faraway shots so that they don't have to make Rodney Dangerfield learn how to (laughs) lip sync. And then He wrote the script, damn it! He knew what he was prepping for. Yeah, and um... It's basically this happy moment, like, you've helped me sing. I'm so happy. And, like, in another film, this would be like, I love you. But instead, it's like, now I can get with Gina. And then he sings a song about just, like, rubbing yeah. in this, I'm going to get with Gina kind of well, thing. Well, yeah, you see, in, you said in most movies, he would, no, no, in most of these type of movies, yeah. that's the exact thing that they would do. He's like, I'm still in love with Gina. And she would be like, oh, okay. You know? Yeah, it's not the moment you fall in love with the lover. It's like, this is the moment where you realize, oh, wait, I just helped him in his quest to get with another girl and then he just fucks back off to america yeah and the movie just goes real downhill when he goes back honestly for me Mm. 
It's just a lot of different movie premises just chucked in. Now he's going to become a famous opera yeah. singer. Now the Gina and this guy have teamed up against him to exploit him. No one's listening to Alfonso. There's like she's a... love law. Yeah, she's she's feeling like lonely back in Italy, and she's going to marry Marcello. And there's a letter like, that gets stolen. There's and... a letter that gets stolen that explains that. Oh, it's the wine that does it. He sings. Yeah, and the letter literally in... says that, doesn't it? And it's just <laughs> we'll like a bunch that. of. Do we have to like like that's it? That's all you need to know. He sends a letter, it gets intercepted by the bad guy, and then he's like, well, I'll get the wine myself. All it is is just, like, a bunch of shit. Like, it's just a bunch of, oh, he becomes an opera singer because... Because the bad guy wants money now. Okay, fine. Why doesn't he just use Gina to do that? She's a good opera singer. Like, I don't understand why he feels like he needs to get him to do it. It's really when he already has power over Gina and he could just get her better gigs. Like, I don't understand why he, he feels the need to manipulate Lupo. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, the relationship between Gina and the sleaze guy is just really confusing to me. Again, it would make a sense if she was in on it. Yeah. And again, when the reason why... Okay, I'll explain. So he comes back home, he sings on the stage, and everyone's blown away. And even Sleazy Guy, who doesn't believe it because he thought that Vincenzo failed. Yeah. And then this leads to the big montage of, oh, he's now he's now Lupo the Great, the best opera singer ever. He's super rich and everything. and somehow, Which he already was. Which he already was, yes, but now he's super duper. But we can't tell the difference. That's true, yeah. He's, it's not like he buys new suits or drives a fancy car. We don't know the difference. Yep, and for some reason, yeah, uh, Sleazy Guy and Gina get some of this money. But if she was... And she's clearly in on it there. But then why wouldn't she just, like, pretend she loves him? Like, this is this is the lead-up to his affections. Like, you can yeah, manipulate the affections. Because he retires from doing it because he's not getting any affection from her. And I'm going to be honest, he's not getting sex from her. He doesn't want her affection. He wants to have sex with her. Hmm. He says this. So, I understand the logic of, in the movie, she doesn't return the sexual favours because she's not a she's not a slut. She's not yeah. a whore. My big complaint is, okay, why is she in on this? Because, yeah, she's getting money for sure, but her character, for what we know of her, isn't financially driven. She's artistically driven. So, I would understand if it was this. She's using the sleazy guy to get money so that she can finance her career. Yes. Because she's new. Maybe she needs to hire bigger venues, bigger blah, blah, blah. But she doesn't do that. And in the end, she gets fucked over by circumstances. And you just go... It's not one of those ones where it's like, oh, she deserves it because she was evil, necessarily. It was more that... And she was evil, don't get me wrong. But it's more that you just go... Ah, fine, I guess. Like, yeah, she you, I guess you deserve yeah, this. She wasn't introduced as evil, but then it just kind of became, like, an antagonistic force. Like, she was a bitch, and she was manipulative, but it was kind of like... But again, she started off as, like, this underdog character that felt wronged, so it's Yeah, and like, you could uh... kind of understand. I thought she was a bit preppy, but it wasn't yeah, like definitely. she was... I don't know, they just didn't... Her characterization wasn't right, and the way they did her wasn't right. Like, the sleazy guy, he's nailing it. Like, they got him wearing three watches, because he's that kind of guy. He was selling mm. watches, and he's, he's a street hustler, so you, you get it. You and he's get like, it. yeah, but look, her, I know I this is gonna... What... Yeah, he has a line, like, oh, this is gonna be my last free meal, so I'm just gonna make so the most of it. So I don't get what her angle is. Yeah. 
I don't get what her angle is. It's it's so confusing. So Yeah, and because she didn't return any of his affections, he decides, okay, I don't want to be an opera singer and I don't love Gina anymore. And of course we have to hit the third act, second into third act low point because he intercepts the letter, the bad guy, and all Rosa wanted was don't tell the family secret. But of yes. course in the letter it's got the family secret. And he's retired now from opera singing. Coincidentally, well, it says Ryan, when he's retired. And... Ryan, hold on a second, because this was your big thing there. You said that the letter contains the family secret. Well, when I say that, I mean it doesn't, but the bad guy thinks it does because plot needs the fil- to happen. The film thinks it does. I'm going to play right now, right here, what the letter said. And you, the audience, be honest with me. Does If you read this letter, not knowing any context of what I have just told you throughout yeah. this entire review Th- of this think, movie, yeah. would you understand that this is magical wine that makes you an opera singer? Just listen to this. Rosa, just a quick note to say, how are you? How's little Mario and how's mama's cooking? I often think of the fun we had together. The bicycle ride in the country. Ah, uh, Italy. When you pushed me on the swing and I fell in with the chickens. <laughs> I never forget how nice you all were to me. But most of all, Rosa, I can't thank you enough for the wine you sent me. It's like a miracle. Everybody loves my voice, but now it's over. Please don't send me any more wine. I don't want to see. My God. It's the wine. Yeah, I don't think so. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. But the it only needs way... to make sense so that the yeah. movie can have more conflict towards the end. The only thing it has there is the linking between I don't want to be a singer anymore, therefore I don't need your wine. Or don't send me any more wine. He doesn't, yeah, doesn't say, he doesn't say therefore. He doesn't say therefore. He just says, you don't need to send me any more wine. It's like, you could have interpreted that as like, oh, it's a gift or something. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he coincidentally retires. The bad guy coincidentally gets this letter... Uh, the woman finds out, you know, Rosa finds out, oh, it's all like, oh, Vincenzo comes over and he just spills the bean about the, and then she, her and the family are, are felt betrayed and it's all that, like, it's all that bullshit so that he can go all the way over to Italy to interrupt her marriage with uh, Marcello, who seems like a nice guy, so he can interrupt it and go, I love you, and she goes, I love you too. She at no point knows that he didn't do it because the father, um... Uh, Lupo phones the father and tells him and the father believes him but he is very strict he's like she's gonna marry never talk to us again yeah but he doesn't tell the daughter so so why does she still she, yes because this is and this is a thing you haven't mentioned in this Ryan when she when she's confronted by Vincenzo and he's like oh you need to give more wine to Lupo because he needs more wine because he's a famous singer and he needs to keep singing uh, so give me more wine as a gift for him and then she acts like very suspicious, like, okay, I'll, I'll get him a good one. And it's very obviously inferred that like, oh, something's wrong with this wine. Yeah, she's going to give him bad wine. Yeah, and obviously we we know because, because these villains clearly don't want to give the wine to Lupo, they're going to use the wine and it's going to be spiked and something bad's going to happen to them. And we do yeah. find out that Gina... It's just normal wine, yeah. Yeah, or it makes... G- whatever it is, it makes Gina sing badly. She gets plastered off her face drunk and she seems badly and she's a ruin she's ruined by the end of the movie yeah um <laughs> but then this is an interesting point where when he calls the father he finds out oh she's getting married and obviously it's gonna lead to nice to, guy marcello it's nice guy marcello and it's obviously gonna lead to well i have to go and stop the wedding 
But this is a very interesting thing that happens. He talks to Alfonso, who I will remind you all is telling this whole story to, to Johnny. To Johnny. And, jo- and Alfonso basically tells him, look, just forget about it. it you failed. And then Rodney so Lupo basically tells him, no, 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 I have to do this. And then from this point in the film, <laughs> well, well, how did you word this, Ryan? It completely falls apart. It, it, it fucks up. Yeah. So, so so let's rewind even more. Bartek and I, the most interesting part of this movie was I had to pause it, rewind it, go frame by frame, and lecture Bartek about how this movie had fucked up in one regard. And then from that point on, the movie kept fucking up. And Bartek didn't want to admit... Bartek doesn't agree that what I pointed out was a fuck up. There's this one bit where the maitre d' or the concierge, or whatever, you know, the MC is introducing Lupo to sing. And he yeah. has fairy lights behind his head. Yeah. And for some reason, the filming made it look like the fairy lights were piercing through the guy's skull and his hair. Like, somehow the guy's head was translucent in some weird regard, where the light bulbs behind his head were illuminating. So it looks like he had these little, you know, light bulb dots through his head. And I was like, what the fuck was that? What the fuck was that? I had to rewind it. And Bartek and I argued about it because you were arguing, well, it wasn't done digitally because this is done on film. So it's not like, and and saying done digitally means that it was done on purpose. And I'm arguing it's a fuck up. Somehow they filmed this incorrectly. And your argument was, how's it a fuck up? How did they do like, how is, and I'm like, I was thinking more about like the intention going on. Yeah. And you don't intend to fuck up. You just do fuck up. So that was my argument. Like, they evidently fucked up because me, the audience, and I'm wondering how this guy's head is translucent enough to have fairy lights coming from behind his head. So it's a fuck up, but you didn't so agree. So a fuck up in the sense that because it distracted you from the yeah, film. It's a technical fuck up on some regard yeah. because there must have been some explanation. Maybe there was something off the set that was being lit and it just sparkled through his head. I don't know. But mm. once I introduced that, from that point on, and what you're saying, when they go to the airport, the movie, it's just like they went, oh shit, 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 we've got to submit this by Friday, and it's Thursday. Just, just, just fucking, and they just, it's just yeah. like a mad rush of psycho energy in which stunt doubles are clearly stunt doubles, we've got bad framing, the camera does these weird Dutch angles for no apparent reason. The plot it, progresses with these weird introduced plot points. Like, it's the moment... Things that aren't introduced are just introduced. Yeah, it's the moment, like like I was saying before, Alfonso says, nah, don't worry, just give up. And then Lupo says a few more lines, and then all of a sudden, Alfonso's really into the idea, like, I need to get you to the airport. Like, he doesn't even do the, you know what... You were right, and I was wrong. It's just like, an it's just immediate like, oh shift, God. and from there on, the film just became manic and fast-paced. And it became cartoony. Yeah. Like, this reality we are talking about, yeah, magical realism, magic wine, sure. But it became like, he rides a horse, because there's a horse here now. They, he he goes to this old Italian you know, couple, and, and they th- barely speak English, but then they start and speaking English. And that was English, the thing, like, he's, and then... he's at the place that he was in earlier in the film where he got off the bus... And he's like, oh, how am I going to get there? There's no taxi. And a guy riding a horse just with a carriage, like, just... Yeah, the guy goes has by one him. horse. And and then Lupo just goes like, oh, I know what to do. And then it just cuts to him riding a horse. So, like, did he steal the horse? He... And then it cuts to an obvious stunt double that they didn't even try to make it look like someone who looks like Rodney Dangerfield. And it was so embarrassing. And and your favourite moment of the movie, Bartok, he meets these two elderly 
Italians who barely speak any English, yes, but yeah. they give enough information to say that their favorite next door neighbor, Rosa, is getting married. Why aren't they invited? Exactly. They also know. They also know um, Marcella. Marcello, yeah. Marcello. So, so why aren't they invited? But whatever. They know what church it's at too. So, Rodney Dangerfield is like, okay, I've got to do this church by twelve. He looks over to the horse, yeah, he and the whistles. horse he whistles, and the horse runs away. And I was like, thank God. And then he looks around the farm. They have a farm area. He looks around. We get a quick shot of like what he's looking at. It's like a barn house from profile. Uh, there's a donkey. There's chickens. There's just you know. Bow- it's like how's it, what's he gonna MacGyver out of? And all then these he looks elements? and he and then it cuts back to him. He goes, of course. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, he's gonna ride the donkey. This is gonna be so embarrassing. And then what happens? About like your favorite meme. You reacted. You were like, no, this is a fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> so. All those things you listed there, the donkey, the animals, the whatever, everything you listed there, the thing that he uses is the tractor in the barn. That we didn't see. That we didn't see. And had no context for. Usually in a film when you have that moment of, oh, of course, it's going to be something that was established, like the Chek- like a Chekhov's gun. Yeah, set up a payoff. But this is just a payoff to something that was never set up. And it's just, And here's other things. The editing gets so sloppy. We have dropped frames between cuts. So you just have a little bit of black, a frame of black. Mm. Or there was that one cut when it goes from them, there, the restaurant, to the to to the airport. And I said, what the fuck was that? And it was a dropped frame from a different scene. It was just a quick frame shot of them standing in a different location. And even you said, Bartek, now, something fucked up just then. I didn't get to say what it was because I was waiting for this. Oh, I was talking about... That was, I think, with the, the pans in the kitchen. Oh, no, 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 no. We'll get there. The movie introduces randomly jump cuts. So he's yelling eventually at one point at the sleazy guy and he throws him in the kitchen and there's all these pans hanging up and I point this out. Yeah. It has a jump cut to a closer shot and there's more pans behind his head now and it's just so awkward and they're different in different positions like this was an yeah. alternative and, take and, and the angle wasn't different enough to so that it would trick you it was all it was identical enough to make it almost seem like the pans popped in out of nowhere it was like a YouTube jump cut yeah and then they introduced just jump cuts through the rest of the movie like they were prevalent then what 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 uh, like the acting also got worse. Like in that pan scene, it was like it was like they didn't rehearse it. It was like they kind of just went with it. Like, and it felt very awkward. Like the guy was doing this really, really awful line delivery of like, "Please don't hurt me" or whatever. And it wasn't for comedic effect. It felt like they hadn't rehearsed it. Mm. Jump cuts are everywhere, and then it becomes cartoonish. You get really cartoony characters. You get these Italian policemen, yeah. and they're overacting the <laughs> shit out of it. And it would be funny if this was a movie that we've done like Betaville or even Fido last episode, where you have these slightly cartoonish edge characters. But this movie's had pretty naturalistic characters for the most part. Even yeah. the sleazy guy with the watches and whatnot, he plays it really straight. As does Rodney Dangerfield. Like, I, and so you get these cartoony characters at the end. You're like, where? And all these jump cuts and dropped frames and bad dubbing and bad stunt people and people looking like they've not rehearsed this. It really did feel like, oh shit, we've got this dude. Yeah, we just got to film gag, this. The gag with them was that Rodney Dangerfield, Lupo, was trying to appeal to them with love. He kept saying, like, Amore, this is what I'm doing it for. And they're like, oh, we understand, but we have to arrest you anyway because you were speeding and breaking the Because he law. stole a tractor. And then he... Uh, he 
goes into more detail and says, no, no, I have to go. Rosa's going to marry Marcello. And then one of them's like, Marcello, Marcello. And they speak to each other in pure Italian. And, and we don't understand what they're saying. We don't get subtitles for that. We they're get like, one line of subtitles from them when they mention his nose. Yeah, yeah it's like, oh, yeah, he, they're asking him. What, Marcello alone with, like, the anteater nose. And, and you know, Rodney Dangerfield doesn't understand what they're saying. But he's like, yeah, yeah, my that's Marcello. Because they do the gesture of the nose. Yeah. And then they're like... Totally on board for stopping the wedding. It's like these guys hate Marcello for some reason. But we don't know why. <laughs> exactly. We never get a reason. Like maybe if there was a moment in which you found out why Marcello was away for three weeks was because he was doing some skeevy property deal that's going to ruin the valley. That could be something, right? Yeah. Give him or a reason to be an antagonistic force. He's like some kind of mogul or something. Or he's an asshole. Like, no, he's just... Vincent Chiavelli, a nice guy. Like, he seems like a nice guy. Like, I don't understand. I, yeah, I look, I wouldn't go as far as to say he seems like a nice guy because the film wants us to make him, you know, seem like the villain, so he's a bit mean to the main character that we're meant to like. He was, but he's though. The, but... I know when you think not... of it in real terms, no, no, but this is the point. He's just get... like, hey, who are you? No, no, but that's what I'm getting to, the real terms. He hasn't done anything to earn scorn. He's just, oh, I, I guess he's disgusted with the dad and the arranged marriage, but... Yeah, he's he's just like a normalish kind of guy. There's nothing really yeah. bad about him other, outside of the context of he's not the main character that we're meant to like. And then throughout this whole sequence, old Rodney is saying, "I love Rosa, I love Rosa." Throughout this whole sequence, the cops go down a fucking hill, <laughs> and there's this bit. I was expecting this. Oh, we, we cut from them driving fast down this really steep hill to the inside of the church. She's about to get married, and it does. He does anyone object to this marriage? And I said out loud. Do you remember what I said out loud? I think you said that like, oh, he was gonna. There was gonna be a shot like he storms in and objects. No, I said, oh, is the car gonna crash through? Yeah, sorry. Because the last thing we saw was the car. But instead, it's just he walks in. He doesn't even run in. And we don't even get like a close-up shot. It's like a distant shot, right? Which is fine. Yeah. That's traditional on some level, but he just walks in and he goes, I love Rosa. He doesn't say, I object. Yeah. We don't see the cops for a while and everyone's on board. Everyone's on board. Marcello's just really confused He's confused. The and the police arrest him. From what I can gather, they, they grab him and they're like, for yeah, restraining, restraining him, him. And one of them makes a gesture towards their belt where their handcuffs is and they walk, they walk, walk off, off frame, frame and then they walk back on frame and Marcello's no longer there. And they're like doing that gesture where they're like <laughs> with the hands. And I'm like, have they handcuffed him to something? Where's Marcello? Then one of them kisses the other and they're like, no, stop it. I'm yeah, like, no homo in church. Yeah. They did that joke too with Marcello wanting to kiss the dad. And he's like, oh, I don't understand. That's that's an Italian thing. The kiss, the kiss, the kiss on the lips for tradition of this. Guy. I don't understand. Well, kiss on the cheek, yeah. Italians like the kiss on the lips too. Well, I mean, but they always have the thing of like, ah, oh, they grab your head and then they like force themselves on your cheek is what I'm thinking. Oh yeah, that too, that too. But like on some ceremonies too, they like, you know, just the quick Mwah! On the lips, like, mm. the fact that I, I get they're doing the no homo joke, but it's like Italians and the propensity for kissing in these kind of celebrations yeah, those countries is are, expected. Those romantic so. countries, like, kissing is not as big a, like, commitment kind of thing. Like, oh, this shows that they're deeply in love or whatever. It's I like, mean, the Italians have the freaking kiss of death, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Can you imagine if in The Godfather 2... When um, Al Pacino gives, um, um, what's his name, Frito, the kiss of death. And he's like, I know it was you. Frito's like, oh, please, no gay, no homo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. This... I would imagine that would be great. Like, he gives him the kiss of death instead of being very like, oh no, he's going to kill me. It's more like, whoa, whoa, brother. No homo. It's like a no more, homo here. It's a more contemporary type of comedy to do, I guess. So, and the movie just basically fucking ends. We don't even see them together, really. Yeah, when it cuts back to the modern day with Johnny and Alfonso... Like, we don't really get a conclusion of, like, what happened to Lupo and Rose's yeah, relationship. Yeah, like, are they living here? It's just like, are they living back it's, there? It's just, that's the story of love that I wanted to tell you. And then, it has a really weird ending. Yeah. Like, you were really baffled by the ending of... The tone of it, yeah. Tell us about this. So, I still don't understand what the fuck so, happened here. So this is what happens. Um, Alfonso tells Johnny, look, you don't have to... You go back to her. You don't have to say a word. You don't have to speak. You don't have to... I think he just said, like, you don't have to open your mouth. It's like, you just have to sing. And then... he's been pouring wine this whole story. Yeah, yeah. So, um... So, Johnny leaves. And then Alfonso soon leaves as well with, like, an umbrella. And it's, like, it's it's set at night. It's dark. Um, he looks through the window... Above the Chinese above restaurant. Above the Chinese restaurant that's n- next door and across, like, a little road. It's around the corner, yeah. Yeah, around the corner from them. And silhouette up there, oh, apparently that's where Johnny's girlfriend lived, really close by. Um, they're making out, they're clearly together, and Alfonso's looking up at them, like, really f- forlornly. Are you also forgetting the music in the background? The non-diegetic music, which is his singing opera, the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's looking weirdly, like he's got his hand and he looks forlorn. I don't know what's going on. It's like, yeah, it's like, uh... Not everything can have a happy ending, but... But there is. It is a happy ending. And then he just kind of walks into the foggy night. And it's like one of those things where it feels like in that moment, if Alfonso, like... Had an arc? No, 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 no. If Alfonso walked into the fog and he, like, transparency effect happened and he disappeared, it's like Alfonso's not real. It wouldn't be unnatural. The way that shot was, yeah. it felt like if he was like an imaginary or guardian angel or something, you wouldn't be surprised. You'd be like, you know what? Yeah, for that sequence. Because uh, Remove I, the rest of the movie. Just the way it's filmed and the way it's acted and the way it's done, the music. and If he just transported or flew off or something... You wouldn't be surprised. You'd be like, yeah, you know what? You know yeah. what? I think, I think even for the whole movie, because now thinking about it, he kind of was like the ally of love throughout the whole Except film. Except for he was against yeah. so many things. I don't know. It's weird. Hello, Rosa! Lobo! Rosa! Lobo! It's a movie. It is That's a movie. A, that is a thing I can say. It is a movie. It's shot very blandly. It's not the greatest, you know, thing ever. But Beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, it's beginning, yeah. middle, and end. It follows cliches. Bartek, let's get to it. Yes. Would you recommend this? No. I'm surprised. I mean, I... You were laughing quite a bit through this. You had double-digit amount of laughter in this. And that's surprising, because sometimes I show you things that are genuinely funny, and you sit there stone-faced. So why does this get no recommendation from you? It's it's just really sloppy. Maybe maybe on a no, I don't even know if it like a bad movie night it would work. It's 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 just too too weird in a way that like just wouldn't elicit that much comedy from it. I know I did laugh, but part of it part of my laughter did come from the awkwardness of the film and the fact that you and Rachel were a lot more uncomfortable and, like, embarrassed by the film. Yeah. 
Like so no recommendation. Wow. I mean, look, it, it won't kill you if you if you really want to check it out, knock yourself out. But I, if I was talking to someone about films to recommend, this wouldn't be one of them. I'm a no as well. Obviously, this what? movie, this movie, Barcenzo is, it is sloppy. It is embarrassing. We didn't really emphasize this is embarrassing. Like this is embarrassing on multiple levels. The the feeling of things weren't rehearsed. The the very sexual elements to it that are very uh, ugh, like you know, ugh. And, and you know the exploitation of characters and the people. None of the characters are really likable. And also, it's embarrassing because I don't know how to say this politely, but it feels like Rodney Rodney Dangerford wrote this, and it feels like he waited too too late because there's this kind of awkwardness because he looks so haggard. He's really he old. looks like he's near the end of his life. He you know he he isn't looking good. And it can, and, and there are moments where he has the spark. There's moments where he does, but for the most part, it looks like an old dying man who's trying his best, mm. and it just isn't working. And that's very uncomfortable. That's very uncomfortable to watch. And the other thing I got to really stress is it's just not funny. It's just not funny, and it's wasteful. It's wastefully unfunny. Like, Rodney Dangerfield didn't write jokes for himself, which is confusing. Like, you have the stand-up moments in there, and if it was more of that, if he was more of that wise-cracking kind of guy or more of that self-deprecating, he wasn't yeah. even that self-deprecating his, yeah, his in His introductory scene, that was that was what he seemed like, and it just wasn't like that for the rest of the film. He wasn't self-deprecating. It was so weird. Like, it was just a waste of everyone's talents involved. There was nothing I could say that was really that funny other than that moment of the money dabbing thing. And I felt that I was improvised on the fly. No, don't check this out. This is a waste of time. Unfortunately, I would say check out other Rodney, check out Rodney Dangerfield's stand-up, check out his guest spots on interview shows. You know, check out that viral video where Johnny Carson can't keep up know, with his one-liners. Check out his stuff. I would recommend Rodney Dangerfield, definitely. He he was an entertaining guy. A man of his times, for sure, but a man of comedy nonetheless. And Caddyshack and, and, and Back to School, definitely, as some examples. But, and Rover Dangerfield. <laughs> but, nah, skip this. Bartek, what year do you think this came out? Um, I honestly don't know, so I'm just going to shot in the dark, say, 1997. Let's go 1994. 1994. When I watched this, I know the year, by the way, so I looked it up, but when I watched this, I thought 1998. Mm -hmm. Just because he looked so haggard, and I was like, I don't remember when he died. This film came out in 2002. Wow. Yeah, fuck me, it came out in 2002. It looks like it's from the 90s. I for sure was like, okay, it can't be the 2000s. It looks... Can you believe this came out post 9-11? <laughs> Just factor that into your probably, brain. Probably made during When they were filming it, they were probably thinking, oh boy, 9-11. But, and he died in 2004. So yeah. yeah, he was near the end. He was near the end. And I don't remember what he died of, but I think he was having chronic issues. Like... You know, he wasn't looking good. He had heart problems, I know that for sure. But, like... He looked good riding the horse. 
<laughs> the other guy, yeah. So no, don't check this out. It's unfortunate, but um, there's other things out there with him that are enjoyable. A legend, but not legendary in this, and that's the Ottoman tragedy. Now, Barteco. <laughs> uh, I believe my name was Bar. Barcenzo. Barcenzo. Yes. You don't even remember. You're gonna correct me, but you don't even remember. <laughs> you said it like a minute ago too. We're gonna have to finish the episode, but before we finish the episode, we have to. Um, escape this room. What's stopping us this episode, Barcenzo, from escaping the room is not an individual blocking the door. Mm-hmm. In fact, we can leave the door. We can just open it up and leave right now, but you know what's stopping us? Oh, you're right. Yeah, what's stopping us? Ourselves. Oh. This movie is a downer, and we're feeling a bit down, you know? Like, we both really at our hearts wanted to recommend this movie. We wanted this to succeed. Like, when we grabbed it out, we're like, you know, we're looking forward to it. Funny man is in movie. Must be funny. And we're down. Mm. The concept of depression and downness is stopping us from wanting to get up and ending this episode and doing the bit where I tell you guys to leave us reviews and ratings on all the podcast platforming sites. We're on all of them and whatever ones can. And we're on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and all of that. And Spin Polish Presents. Check us out. Recommend us to your friends. We can't get to that moment yet because we're just feeling down, man. So yeah. we have to pick someone from this movie to, you know, line us up. Who do you, who would you suggest? Well, I suppose since we are feeling down, we have to pick someone that brings us up. Um, who, who, who's a joy in this film that would bring us up? I mean, it can't be Alfonso because of his last scene where he looked so Very forlorn. haunting, yeah. Um... I guess Johnny's in a good place, but he's barely a character since he's only, like, literally in the... And he's sad for the times we see him. Yeah. I mean, he's... Maybe a bummer. And the one time he's happy, he's he's just a silhouette in a window. Could Um, have been a puppet, yeah. I guess Lupo was always kind of optimistic, but he's so old and haggard that I don't know if he'll have the energy... Is there anyone? <laughs> Fuck, have I chosen an impossible <laughs> task for us? What about what about the woman on the plane? She was in a good mood. Yeah, sure her, I guess. <laughs> Why not? So, Bartek, my move... I, I guess we don't have moves. We just ask her to make us smile. I'll make, I'll make a move. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> You'll make a move on her, right? <laughs> You're like, hey, lady. I'm on it, I'm on it. Goo, goo, goo. <laughs> Um, my move I'm is. A spit and the pasta presents. <laughs> my move is I'll try to get up. No, it didn't work. And my move is gesturing to her with my hand to do something. <sighs> the, the 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 gesture that the mum did, which was like a beckon, but it was a bye. <laughs> and she looks at us and she just puts her shawl over her head and cries. <laughs> it works. We're smiling now. <laughs> That's random. <laughs> okay, Bartek, I'm feeling good now. Same. We can easily leave the room. So, guys, listening people, you guys have been fantastic, amazing, wonderful listening people, as always. Um, you know, thank you for sticking through, listening. Share this with all your people that you love and or hate. We put a lot of work into this this particular show, and you can check out our, our weekly show, uh, Unappreciated Masterpieces. We're on the social media of Twitter and Facebook, Spit and Polish Presents. Not pasta? Oh, maybe. I could change we it. Have, we should change it for this month. <laughs> um, yeah, we have a, an email if you have any inquiries or questions or love letters or threats. Spit and polished Pastard. at gmail.com. Yeah, spit and polished. 
like past tense polish. And like I said, if you you know if you spare the time, give us a rating and review on whatever podcast platforming site. Those are always very helpful. But um, it's been a joy talking or depression talking about the fourth tenor with you, Bartek. But I guess uh, hopefully next month we have a we have a guest that doesn't um forget that they were supposed to be recording this with us. I guess that'll happen. Maybe. I'm not going to name names. Didn't, didn't, didn't that also happen when we did Meteor Apocalypse? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I guess, until next time, listening people, remember to be Italiano to each other. Mwah, mwah. <laughs>